Howard from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Drew State Studios in California. It's episode 219 of the Primetime Show. Tonight, we welcome back Ian Reed of Dapper Cigar Company. And as always, the Primetime Show is sponsored by Saga Cigars. Dayless Race has introduced another chapter of the saga, the Saga Celeste. So that's a Spanish word that means leisure after work in the spirit of the standing ideal of owning your own journey and making your own saga. The Saga Celeste is the perfect companion to enrich those moments of choice, making them truly yours. Saga Celeste carries a brand of Criollo Olor and Piloto Cubano wrapped in a selected Ecuador shade cloud wrapper that generously delivers with elegance, a surprisingly rich and balanced smoke. It's available in three sizes at an affordable price. Ask your retailer for Saga Celeste. And by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary blend requires tobaccos that have been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigars is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo Estate Selection Vintage, the Perdomo Double H 12-year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary, Perdomo Abano Bourbon Barrel-Aged, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Mensa 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the new Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And by Aganorsa Leaf. Great Leaf makes great cigars. Aganorsa Leaf stands out because of the distinctive flavor of a Corojo 99 and Criollo 98 seeds cultivated by Cuban agronomists on the best lands of Lapa and Esteli, Nicaragua. When you smoke one of our JFR, JFR Lunatic, Guardian of Farmer Casa Fernandez cigars, you experience the unique taste and aroma that makes Aganorsa Leaf special. Smoke one today and enjoy the signature flavor of Aganorsa Leaf. And finally, by Drew Estate. Drew Estate's about to make someone a whole lot richer. On, on a recent Facebook Live show, the company announced it would hold a Bitcoin sweepstakes with numerous incredible prizes during a series of freestyle live events, including a grand prize of one full Bitcoin for a lucky fan to be announced during the February 17, 2022 edition of the Freestyle Live show. Entry into this sweepstakes was very simple. During three of the company's shows, the company selected the names of five people who attended that show and commented during specific times. They were treated to an assortment of fantastic prizes and were entered into a final contestant pool of 15 people eligible to win the grand prize Bitcoin. You can find out more at www.drewestate.com or facebook.com forward slash Drewestate Cigar. And remember, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows, as well as the California Studios for the Primetime Show, is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime, episode 219. Today is Thursday, February 10th, 2022. It's Will Cooper. I'm on the black stage here in the Perdomo Scott Studios, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend and colleague, Mr. Aaron Loomis. How you doing tonight, Will? I'm doing really, really good. How about you? I'm doing good. Yeah, uh, fun, fun, fun week for me so far. Um, and you know, I'm looking at 
the calendar of stuff and we're going to be into March before we know it. It's like one of these like fast months for sure. Yep. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I just was amazed because I, I think I was mentioning, we have starting to think of some guests and I'm like, we're, we're into March already because of just how this month's going to fly by. Mm-hmm. And you and I are going to be doing some traveling. We'll talk about that uh, a little later, but, um, but yeah, so it's going to be, it's going to be a fast month. And you and I already started planning for PCA to yep. this week too. So that's how, <laughs> That's how this is flying already. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which like we having the initial conversations of that already has just been something very, very interesting there to say the least. So, um, no, all, all good right now. Um, but yeah, I guess Aaron without further ado, let's, um, let's welcome in our special guest. He hasn't been on for the show for a while. And I was surprised how long it was, uh, when I was going through some of the uh, scheduling, uh, he's Ian Reeds of Dapper Cigar Company. Ian, welcome back to primetime, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, you guys taking the time. And yeah, I was going to say that was a hell of an intro. I, <laughs> I missed everything past the, uh, uh, this is a uh, Perdomo. Could you reiterate back? <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's interesting. Well, the, the, the Drew Estate one, that's the last one we're reading before their big contest, on, uh, which is next week um and so that that's gonna make it a little easier when that happens yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. but everyone yeah no no but uh no it's all good um and uh yeah th- we, we have two more breaks of ads so but those you can kind of get up and stretch when you need to as well uh as far as that goes but uh no great to have you back aboard here um it, you know Ian, it's been three years i didn't know that it's yeah just... i mean it, wow. two, 2019 was the last show we had Ian on and he was on in 2017. So mm. it has been a, and I just couldn't believe it was that long, but, but uh, we did, I know we talked to a PCA. So you did, you did some stuff for us at PCA, but you know, it's, it's really great to have you back on a show tonight. Gosh, thanks. It's great to be back. It doesn't yep. feel that long. I think we lost a couple of years, but uh... <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> uh, no, here's the other thing. And Ian, man, I got to just give you, I'm, I'm saying this on the record here. Uh, you, you are one of the most responsive guys. I mean, I know, I think one of the other times we asked you to come on in a pinch and you came on in a pinch and I think I was trying to get you in a pinch again this time and you were like ready to go. Uh, I had already booked the slot and it was like, Hey, I uh, just said, we want to get you back on. So thanks for making the time. And uh, we, we do, we know you were busy today and, and it's, it's not taken for granted. Hey, no, I appreciate that. Coop, just remember you say jump. I say how high. Uh, <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Um, you know, Ian, it's been a while. I know some folks may not know, but why don't you talk a little about the start of Dapper Cigar Company? And then we'll kind of get into some of the more recent projects you've had, um, you know, in terms of, you know, how did you kind of start uh, the launch of Dapper? Yeah, I mean, I, I, ungloriously, I probably started like everybody, you know, smoking cigars, going to cigar lounges, you know, and uh, just trying that, you know, trying to do that question I'm sure that every cigar store owner gets day in and day out. Hey, how do I make my own cigars kind of thing? Except I was probably foolish enough to go through with it. Um, you know, I, I, that's probably like, I did an event tonight. I just got back from an event. I, I guess a good thing is, is that because I'm not somebody that maybe they, that people usually see as somebody being in the cigar business and having started that way, we get a lot of, I get a lot of questions of, Hey, how do I start my own cigar company? Thing. right uh, because it's kind of weird and it's a little rare uh per se i'm sure there's a lot of people that want to do it 
but how many people actually go through the motions of doing it? Uh, probably not that many, but uh, yeah, I mean, I started off as a, a cigar consumer, you know, customer 10 years ago, thinking, you know, boy, I, I really enjoy cigars. It would be great to see what it would take to make cigars. Uh, and then it's just been a progression, and, you know, for the first five years of the business. Um, very lonely, lonely uh, uphill struggle, right? To, to, to learn both how to, you know, get cigars made and, and how to sell them and, and, and all of the things that go along with just trying to learn the basics of uh, uh, retailing and, and, and all of that that goes into it. So the last five years have been uh, quite uh, exponentially different than the first five, but yeah, I started as a consumer and, and just gradually taking the steps to go about figuring out how to sell cigars, how to make cigars. And, then, and we're still figuring out how to sell cigars. That's still, <laughs> yeah. sometimes, that, sometimes that's the tougher piece is what you find out. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to people, it just sometimes that's a much harder piece to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so, Ian, I guess there were two things that happened along the way that you maybe didn't think were going to happen. I mean, I guess. One of you might have known, right? And it, well, that was the deeming regulations. Um, and then the second thing was this pandemic, right? So you had these two monkey wrenches. It, I remember from, you know, we've had you on previous shows before. You, you seem pretty ready as far as FDA went. I mean, I think you had, you had plans in place. You knew, you knew where you were going with stuff. Um, and so I think that was compared to a lot of other people around that time in your size company, I would say you were one of the more prepared people. I, I appreciate that. It doesn't feel like it was, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the advice that I was, I, so I think the, the impetus of that is the people that I worked with. And, um, you know, at the time that the FDA regulations were coming out, uh, I was, you know, I was working heavily and starting to work heavily with Oliva Tobacco Company, and Oliva Tobacco Company was taking it extremely seriously. And I was able to kind of glean some of the advice from the legal counsel that they were going through, and um, and and perhaps maybe in hindsight we maybe overreacted. Um, you know, there were a lot of things that we did and made decisions on back when it first came out um, that in hindsight, I regret, I, I wish I was maybe had taken a more laissez-faire attitude. Uh, it would have certainly saved us thousands of dollars in legal fees. Uh, it would have also allowed us to innovate more and progress uh, our blinds and blends. I feel like I lost maybe a couple of years uh, to that but um, it, it, everything works out and I'm glad we stuck through it. And I'm glad we, it was, a, it's a, for what it's worth, it's, it's good lessons. And it may come true that all of these things were good that we spent time uh, figuring out how to deal with the FDA piece. Um, it, it may, you know, let's, we're not going to write that off. I mean, let's, it's a good possibility that the FDA uh, increases their involvement in cigars and tobacco. And it's a good thing that we're familiar with the process and we've already gone through the motions of all of that. So, uh, I'm, you know, I have no regrets per se, you know. You're muted, Coop. 
gotta love when that happens. <laughs> uh, no, I think Ian, it was a good thing. Um, still, I mean, I remember when we first talked. Um, you know, it was we were learning about your brand, right? And there was a lot of stuff you had in the market, and then there was other stuff you had on your website. It was like, well, we're not really there yet. But it's stuff, you know, obviously you were thinking about FDA and it, it's kind of cool to see some of those projects. We'll talk about them come to fruition. I think that was a, a really nice thing to see, you know. So I, I was excited when I started seeing some of these projects that you had planned actually start to make it into the market right now. So that, doing, you look at that yeah, that was that was a nice thing to see. Yeah, we're doing a lot of corrections, too. We spent a lot of the last two years as attorneys have told us what are things that we can do now versus what we couldn't do at the very beginning. We're trying to do. Yeah. You know, the very beginning, it was like, you can't change the box count. You can't change the blend. You can't change this. It was extraordinarily strict. And then as, as time went on and things started to progress, it was like, yes, you can change the box count. Yes, you can change this. Now it feels like it's uh, it's like the wild west again, yeah. right? It's like right, everybody get everything else you yeah. everything yeah. you ever want, you know, any shape you want, any size you want, you know, just as long as it doesn't have pineapple in it. Yeah. We're, right. we're gonna we're gonna actually have a segment of packaging towards the end, by the way. So that's like I'm glad you're kind of saying some of that. <laughs> I want to get some thoughts on that. So, uh, and it's not it's not uh, no, it's not cartoons. You don't have to worry about that. It's actually real packaging. So uh, I can't. In parts of cartoons or anything that may appeal to you. <laughs> no, no, but uh, no. I, like I said, it was, it was, like I said, it was a nice, it was a nice thing to see. You know, one thing you, you that like really, I thought was cool when we first, when I first saw your brand. You know, when I was asking, hey, what's the blend of this, right? And you sent me this sheet, and it wasn't just, uh, you know, a lot of times when we ask what wrapper binder filler is, you know, we get, we get some basics, right? Ecuadorian Habano, Nicaragua binder, Nicaraguan filler. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Ian goes and he gives us, okay, this is this is the uh, country of origin. This is the region. This is the farm. Like it, he, down to that level, you, you would give us that information. Now, in hindsight, is that is that something maybe is that maybe you felt you tipped your card too much with that? Because sometimes people see that and they're like, well, I want to get that tobacco, too. Yeah, I, I, I. You know, I try to go both ways about that. The reason I did it to begin with is because that's how I wanted yeah. to be as a consumer. And as you're in the manufacturing realm and as you're in the, um, you know, as you have competitors, uh, you, you know, people start telling you, well, maybe you shouldn't do that or maybe you shouldn't be so revealing. I don't know. I It might be the dumbest thing for me to ever do, but I really don't think about it. I, I think like, you know, if I were to ask a chef what goes into a chocolate cake, I'm sure that the ingredients they're using for the chocolate cake, my chocolate cake, are going to be pretty similar, and that there's some technique and there's some other things outside of what's described in the ingredients that really go into the final product. Right. And uh, to replicate all of that, hey, good for you. Uh, but I, uh, I look at the reason that we do those detailed descriptions is because that's what I would like as a consumer. And yeah. so I'm trying to make products and market products that would appeal to me. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I think my on mute. Yeah, you're good. Okay. <laughs> I had to open this door and so it's very noisy. So I, that's why if I mute a couple of times, it's the reason why. Um, no, I, I, I think from, 
you know, obviously, Aaron and I, we we were also cigar consumers and enthusiasts, and it's refreshing to see that. Um, so it, you know, when I started uh, learning, it, it was like this is a really cool thing about your brand. You know, we'll get into the blends and and, and the stories behind them, which I think are great too. But it was always something that drew me to what you were doing. Have you have you pretty much now? Are you doing most of your production out of Noxa right now? Yeah, we're doing all of our production. Okay, because I know you originally you original you work with different factories, but it seemed like over the last few years you pulled everything into Noxa right now. Yeah, we um, uh, we decided during the FDA process that we were going to move to Noxa with the success of the cigars that we were making out of Noxa with the fact that Noxa. Uh, having a great partnership and tied it hip with Leaf Tobacco. Yep. The fact that uh, Gustavo Cura, um, who is, you know, not only like my friend, he's like my mentor and a father figure uh, for me at the Oliva families being so, uh, so supportive, beyond supportive uh, for us. It just made sense. Um, everything around Noxa, uh, our liaison at the time, Anna uh, Jose, who's no longer at Noxa, she's at Dunbarton. Uh, uh, but uh, Raul, the, the production uh, master, the, uh, the guy that runs Noxa, everything for us makes sense at Noxa. We feel like that setup and what we have there is going to allow us to make the very best cigars, very best tobacco, and access to tobacco and make consistent cigars, production over production, everything aligns. We, I thought we bet very good on that. And uh, I couldn't be more happy and thrilled and ecstatic with uh, that relationship. It's definitely the key ingredient of the last three years of our growth, without a doubt. Yeah, no, it's, uh, and for folks who may not be familiar with Knox, uh, it's a factory, uh, Dunbarton makes some of their production there, the uh, Mikoritas, and then, I think Sealy and Asylum have some production out of there as well. As patina well as, as well. Co- what? Patina. Patina, yes. I forgot about yeah. Patina, yeah. Oh, and you know, it's interesting because, like, you know, I think the Patina stuff came out better out of that factory. It did. Yeah, yeah it really did. So, so sometimes the fact, you know, and uh, I know some of your other stuff was done at some other factories, but, uh, you know, I go back, the Kubo line still one of my, I mean, one of my favorites, right? That originally, I think, came out of another factory, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm telling you, that cigar's, it's i love the i love the different blend you have under that thing oh thank you i mean we're gonna we we moved to sumatra over the noxa and that got uh you know not the rating systems or whatnot but it got great ratings yeah and, uh we basically took the original blend for kubo claro that i started with 10 years ago wait and, and uh modified it you know yeah and kubo was your that was your first baby like that was the first project there yeah, the Kubos were our very first cigars that I ever was involved with blending. It was a very simple blend. When we moved to Noxa, we basically took the exact same blend with the exact same tobacco, and we swapped out the wrapper with an Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper that was really, uh, really complementary to it. And because yep. we have the buying power of Noxa and the, and the access and availability, we were able to use some broadleaf in the filler, which we didn't have access to before. Mm-hmm. And that Really made that cigar rounded out. Yeah, and, uh, and I think that's why it's hundred percent why we were able to get the ratings and the the accolades we were for that cigar. Right. 
Right. It was um is the Claro still around? Or is it, is it is it now just been replaced by the Sumatra? Yeah, so the Claro and the Maduro, the originals, are being replaced. We're okay. We're reblending and we're rebranding those to some exciting new uh, presentations. Okay, well, that's good. Like I said, I, I those were always uh, you know, and at Sumatra, that's been out a while already, right? I want to say that's about three years or so. You've had that one out. Yeah, it actually was the very start of the FDA stuff. I think is when we released it. So it's been a while. Yeah, so no, that that's a, a lot of um, like I said, that's a great story. Let's. I want to get into. I know we'll talk about what was smoking. Um, Desvalido. I said it right, right? You said it perfectly. Okay, because <laughs> well, I, I I I could easily butcher it, right? So this is a cigar. It was one of those cigars that I know I saw on the website, um, but it was one I know. I think from talking to you this is one you wanted to get to market. It finally got to market last year. Talk yeah. about this cigar here. Uh, folks who may not be familiar because I think this is, this was worth the wait. In my opinion, this is, a, this is, I'm enjoying this a lot. So that cigar, we, you know, we had the branding done before the cigar. And at that time we had done the Kubo and three lines, the Claro, the Maduro, the Sumatra. We'd also done La Madrina and the Habano shade. We had done uh, El Baracho in both the San Andreas and the Broadleaf presentations. And we'd had this brand waiting. We'd had this beautiful uh, artwork and a band that I was trying to make for a cigar that I really felt like would stand for things and also try to be the best in terms of blending that I'd done. And it just took too long. Like it was just a really laborious process because I just never felt like the blend matched what I wanted that cigar to be. And so we even were doing, you know, ABC blends. We would send them out to the people that were our fans. We would ask them to pick and they kind of steered us towards where we ended up with. Uh, but it's really Raul, myself, and, and the input that we got from trusted palates, per se, people that loved what we were blending, and people, you know, we would just tell people, hey, smoke this, this is A, how did you like it, B, and, you know, we just kept doing that and finally got to a blend that we thought was great. Um, and, yeah, it took a while, and the tobacco, it, it costs a lot, the tobacco that we're using is not cheap, we're using some, you know, some U.S. hybrid stuff, Connecticut stuff, we're using a lot of different good tobacco but at the end of the day i felt like it was a blend that resonated with me and desvalido for, for you know for the lack of better translation uh that phrase just resonated with me it's it you know the, the direct translation for it is kind of like those without hope or or really the underdog and that's what we felt like as a company and as a blender, we feel like we're the underdogs. And so the rooster on it, that is my uh, Zodiac birth uh, symbol. Okay. Uh, it is a politically incorrect band. There are some nuances to that band that may insinuate violence against animals, which I'm not about. Right. But there's some nuances to it. The purple blue color is a very Phoenician blue. Right. It's like 
super royalty thing. And then we did this line art stuff, a crown, all these kind of elements that kind of uh, just hearken to, you take the lowliest of low and you, you lift it up on a pedestal and you make the best thing you can of it. So it's got a lot of hidden meaning to it. And it really does resonate with a lot of people. We went to an event today and I had people come in and ask me for the Blue Rooster cigar, which is a, a very appropriate thing that they said. Sometimes it's not Blue Rooster. But at the end of the day, we feel like we really delivered a blend that was approachable. It wasn't too strong. It was right in that medium plus wheelhouse. Yep. yep. Interesting. And it really let people know, hey, man, uh, this is, I mean, we're serious about our cigars. We're serious about making world-class cigars. We're serious about our tobacco. We're serious about the people we align ourselves with. And we hope that these, that this cigar particularly resonates with people for those messages. Yeah, I mean, the one thing about, you know, the blend with this cigar immediately was something that interested me, right? Because there's a lot of U.S. tobacco. Like, if, correct me if I'm wrong, there's U.S. tobacco in the binder and filler at the same. Yeah, there's U.S. tobacco. There's two components of U.S. tobacco on that. Yeah, so it's 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 not your cookie cutter cigar, is what I'm saying. And uh, um, so that was. And then when you smoke it, you 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 see this is something you're smoking. Very, it's not your uh, cookie cutter risotto wrapper, you know. So I I like I said I I was pretty impressed. I'm smoking the robusto size right now. Uh, this is the second time I smoked this, and, and I've I've enjoyed this cigar a lot. Um, and then when the cigar was finally ready. You release it, and I believe it was right in the middle of the pandemic, unfortunately. Yeah, so it was an interesting deal. We released that cigar with Pravada Club. Okay. The reason, the reason that we did that is because, and I think Brian would say the same thing, he smoked, you know, they, they've approached us and whatnot, and, and uh, he smoked that cigar, and he was blown away. And he said, I got to have the cigar. You know, it was like a cowbell moment. I got to have the cowboy guys. So uh, we thought, you know what? We've never done anything with Probotic Club. I have no idea what they do. All I know is that the guy's an incredible marketer, and he's got a, a drove of, of people that subscribe to Probotic Club. And I said, man, what a great opportunity. Um, you know, and, and not me. It's, it's Alex, Sessa, and myself sitting down and going, what a great opportunity for us to release a cigar initially and launch it and get it out into smokers' hands that we don't know. That they're all over the country. Because mm -hmm. we're not in all over the country. We don't sell a lot of cigars on the East Coast and, and in certain areas where we don't have broker representation. So wouldn't it be great if we could use uh, Brian's platform at Pravada to get the cigar into smokers' hands? That's what you want to do. Right. For us, it's what we want to do. We want to tell, we want to get that cigar into a lot of people's hands so they can judge and determine whether they love what we're about. And if they love it enough, they'll seek out that cigar. And if they can't find it to the local tobacconist, maybe they'll tell that guy, hey, you should really buy these cigars from there. They're really good. So we did them a launch. We did a launch during COVID with that. It was tremendously successful. And uh, it really helped prime the pump for sales and for demand for that cigar and tobacconists. We started shipping that cigar at a, exactly one month after we, it went to Provada Club. So we let the consumers get out there and have that for a month. And then we started shipping it to retailers. 
it's interesting. And were they with a provider? You had not were you selling through Provada beforehand, or is this the first time you sold through Provada? I don't. I think we sold one smaller release with Provada. We okay. With Kubo Sumatra, it was at a much lower scale, right? Much smaller uh, size. And and to be honest, that sizing is probably because of what occurred with Provada. They grew tremendously in a very uh, short period of time, and so that's probably had to do with sure. So, yeah, but I think it was our second release of Provada. Okay, and then so so that was a that's an interesting strategy you had, and probably makes a lot of sense uh, that you didn't have a trade show. Um, probably still hard to get on the road at the time. So uh, so yeah, it, that, I'm glad that worked out for you as far as that goes. Um, and uh, the uh, but now it's something that you you could also get at your your local store, right? Yeah, so that ended up becoming a, uh, a production cigar, and we actually did a follow-up with Luxury Cigar Club, and they actually have a ongoing exclusive size with us, which is a short Bellicoso that's been phenomenally uh, successful uh, from our perspective. Like, right. Even tonight, I got two guys that showed up at an event that was from a local Navy base that were subscribers of, of uh of luxury cigar club and they uh they were like hey do you have any of these you know no we don't have them they go through luxury cigar club so it's been it's been a very successful uh launch and a, and really it's been a good good line for us throughout the pandemic yeah and you you also have done some stuff in the past i know with uh small batch as well as another platform online platform to do it and i know that's worked out well and i found out about some of your lines through them as well yeah, small batch. So small batch Maximars. Uh, we did our very first exclusive with them with a uh, Siempre Rosado um, in a Corona Gorda size. Uh, I hope we do a lot more blends with them in the future, and I actually hope that we take it even to a better level because the guys at Small Batch, uh, the owner uh, Amar and Andrew, and all the staff, Ben, Mike, everybody at Small Batch, they have been uh, from day one. Uh, of us really becoming a brand. They've been one of the most supportive retailers from every facet that you can imagine. And uh, we have a tremendous relationship with them. I, I, I care for those guys more than, more than just business. They're really, really amazing folks. So yeah, we have a great relationship with them. I hope that we can get a lot more out there in terms of exclusives that will mutually benefit both of our businesses. That's good. That's good to hear. The uh, yeah, um, is this uh, Despolito? Is is this something that maybe will become like Kubo and um, La Madrina more of a not just a line but a brand under your pillar? I'm not asking you to give any. You don't have to give any details. I'm just kind of curious if that's the direction you may go with this. Yeah. So you know, ironically, our biggest seller, both in the U.S. and out of the U.S., is La Madrina by far. Yeah, it's our biggest seller followed by probably El Baracho and Del Polito. So those three brands really make up the core of our business. And, you know, actually, Siempre does very well, too. Yep. So I'm dis discounting uh, some of that. But by far and away, La Madrina is, is our biggest brand. Uh, we hope, you know, we're kind of the house of brands, per se. Mm -hmm. And we, we kind of hope that every brand that we release or every line gets its audience and right. kind of our goal with every single line that we release is that is 
is this brand going to resonate with people? And can we make a cigar that lives up to that brand? And so we do that with every single line. And some of them work better than the other. Des Ritas is very good. We have a, now I haven't talked about it publicly, but we have an extension to Des Ritas that is going to be phenomenal at PCA. And uh, that is, uh, it's going to be an interesting story. And it's something that we're super looking forward to. And uh, we're going to release it at PCA. Thanks. Oh, that's, that's great. That's great. You, you were talking about La Madrina. And I actually went back and watched our first show. And I think you were a little worried about La Madrina going back. This is like 2017. Well, you weren't totally happy with La Madrina. Is that, is that, am I painting that accurate that I heard that? Sorry, a mute button wasn't working. No, um, it's okay. okay. No problem. Right? <laughs> uh, so, not that it was a bad score. I, I liked it. And you were like, yeah, it could be better. You, you, it was like it could be better. You know, there was so, more you wanted out of that. I think a lot of my hesitation was Steve Saka's fault. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steve's a great guy, but. Uh, so the story was when we were first releasing La Madrina El Paracho, uh at Noxa, I was actually in the uh, blending room with Steve. And at that time, I had just kind of gotten to know him a little bit more. And, and Steve's a great, he's a fountain of knowledge, great guy. And actually, Steve was in the room when we had our first full boxes of El Baracho and La Madrina delivered to us from the factory put the scars into and see how that's going to look. And uh, true story, uh, Steve's looks at the El Bracho, he likes it and whatnot. It's very complimentary. And I'm right. sure he's not going to shit on somebody that's trying to live their dream, right? <laughs> going to crush them right there. Right, uh, right. And it got to La Madrina. And Steve was like, you know, I've just never been like totally on board with the whole death theme stuff and cigars. As soon as he said that, I was like, oh, shit, it's over, fellas. We're doomed. Oh. <laughs> so it's, I've you always cigar been... a dead person on it. <laughs> it <gets Yeah>. back... <laughs> just any, uh, any uh, he's like, I just don't like that. I mean, he's very honest and I get it. But, you know, and, and I wasn't thinking like, you know, I mean, we got a good case for the FDA. I mean, you know, we're like, a, we're, we're basically putting on the thing. This is very, yeah, bad. like they're, they're not going to put any like graphic warnings on your cigars. You've already taken care of that. <laughs> <laughs> we're ahead of the game here. Yeah. So yeah, concerned about how that marketing would, how that look or how that marketing would, would resonate with, with, with consumers. And it turned out it resonated. Yeah. To our surprise, uh, collectively, it turned out to resonate extraordinarily well. It's by far and away our most, it's our best-selling cigar. And it also resonates in multiple continents. So it's not just in the U.S., it's outside of the U.S. as well. Yeah, um, like I said, I fell in love with that natural uh, when that came out. Um, and recently at the trade show, um, you came out with uh, the shade under it um and i know i'll say uh, aaron i'll say it aaron liked this cigar right am i wrong no you liked it it was, it was my favorite cigar from last year yeah that that it, 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 you heard this here ian aaron said this was his favorite cigar from last year so uh <laughs> that's a big deal <laughs> first 
first of all, Aaron has exquisite taste. <laughs> True. <laughs> His taste buds are much more tuned yeah. what, uh, to what is necessary for viewing. <laughs> I mean, that's extremely flattering. Look, we, we removed Kubo Claro from the market. We realized we didn't have a shade cigar, and we needed a shade cigar. So we, it made sense for us to say, look, if we're going to redo a shade cigar, we need to – we need to ride the horse that is that is crushing it for us, which is La Madrina. And so then it became, well, what can we do to blend a Connecticut that will be distinct enough and be un-Connecticut? You know, I hate to say it, it's very cliche, but everybody's right. like, your father's Connecticut or grandfather's Connecticut or whatever. Uh, but we wanted to make a cigar that was a Connecticut cigar that both that just appeased all the things about a Connecticut cigar. So I went into the year of blending Connecticut cigars, which is the year of blending doom for <laughs> makers, because you don't get up in the morning and go, you know what, we're blending Connecticut cigars. That is yep. not what you want as a blender. And I smoked the hell out of Connecticut cigars for a year, went deep diving into it, and there, this is the real deal. The Connecticut cigar is that blend because uh, my buddy Gus in Nicaragua, uh, he is a very particular cigar smoker because he's a cigar smoker that's also a tobacco man. And those are hard to please because they look at the objective qualities of tobacco. And if there's one hint of bad tobacco in that thing, they're going to harp on you about it. And, and whenever tobacco or a cigar doesn't reach its expectation, it gets hucked against his back wall. And my whole goal is to stay off of the back wall. Uh, I was blending Connecticut cigars for a year. I finally had that blend in a, in a 52 gauge, like a Robusto 52, which we don't make, but we make a Toro at six by 52. But I brought the cigars back to the house one night. I said, Gus, I go, uh, I think we got the blend for this La Madrina Connecticut worked out. And he looked at me seriously and says, Ian, he goes, you know how I feel about Connecticut cigars. Don't be offended. I love you. I'm just not going to smoke it. <laughs> fair. Very fair. So I said, look, man, I understand you don't like Connecticut cigars, but I think we got a hell of a blend, I think. Two days later, I had left one of those shade cigars in the ashtray at night after we'd had too many scotches. I came back to the house later that day. He looked at me and goes, Ian, he goes, you left one of those shade cigars out. I didn't have any more of my blend because he smokes like one cigar. So I smoked it. And he goes, I'll be damned, man. That's a good cigar. <laughs> <laughs> That's the blend, brother. There you go. There you go. There you go. That's a good. I've actually met Gus before, so I can I can attest to that. There were more explicitives. Mm. Yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah. But I understand that this is a family show, and we got we got to keep it uh, we got to keep it uh, PG. But yeah, well, I mean, it, it, <laughs> you get the picture of that as well. Uh, so that's great. I mean, and that's great. And um, I actually, this is one I haven't smoked yet. I got this is one cigar I haven't smoked yet in a lot of my dreams. So I'm looking forward to that one. 
Um, yeah, sure. I mean, it was it, it's nice to see the uh, the blend because it's it's it uses a methodology that I, I like in cigars. It's flavor forward. You don't have to use strength to get any kind of points across. You just you deliver the flavor, you deliver the body, let the strength be what the blend provides, and let it do its thing. Um, and that's what the cigar delivers. I mean, uh, the, also perfect construction, which is you know pretty typical at an AXA. Uh, so you don't have to worry about anything. Um, and we went with a you know we went with a Bellicoso, which I don't know. There, there's some blends where the Bellicoso is the one that works, but a lot of times you you, you know you'll smoke the Bellicoso in there. You just might not deliver like some of the other Vitolas do. But it you know this cigar delivers very well in the Bellicoso Vitolas. So um, yeah, I was just you know, it hit, it hit on all the points for me that, you know, this year. So it was, it was nice to see. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it's weird because, um, I agree with you, you know, technically speaking, the Toro is a 52 gauge and so is the Bellicosa, but they're not the same cigar. Mm -hmm. Bellicosa, you get a lot more from it. So it was really fortunate that the reviewers and whatnot shines the Bellicosa. And, and also that was the very first production cigar we made in the Bellicosa. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, we we've never done really, you know, non-standard shapes or patolas. Uh that was the first one that we said in the production line it should be in the Bellicose. So that's something to expect from us in the next few years. We're we're taking our core lines and we're we're playing with them and we're trying to find shapes, patolas, formats that uh, that we think are interesting so that we can release things in limited productions and, and whatnot. But that was, uh, yeah, it was, it's really, it's been really great to see that. And, you know, the other thing too, is I think I also look at the people that blend in the factory and, you know, I know Mo blends Patini Connecticut. People love Patini Connecticut. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a great cigar and he's got a very specific palate. And I want to make sure that if I make a cigar out of Noxa, that it's not exactly like other cigars of not. So like right. I want to make sure that I'm not kind of competing in that same wheelhouse just because, you know, it's professional courtesy, whatever. But I felt like we had a unique enough blend in that. We had a unique enough presentation. And I, I think the highest form of flattery that I've heard, and I, I don't even know if I heard that on developing college with you, but a lot of people tell us that they compare it to the Davidoffs in terms of construction and nuance and balance. And that for us, whether you like Davidoff or not, is a tremendous compliment because we're able to provide a production cigar at a portion of the price. And so that to us is huge. Yeah, that's, that's what I wrote almost verbatim in my review was that it reminded me of a Davidoff white label. If Davidoff opened a factory in Nicaragua and said, we're going to start making white labels there, that's what it would taste like. The only difference with this cigar is that you can get it for cheaper. That's been resonated. <laughs> you know, I loved hearing that because it was like that's what's resonating when we sell it to retailers. Yeah. And we get a lot of customers that go, man, I smoke white labels and this is really good. This feels like something Dab Dab would make, which is the highest form of flattery. It really yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. So I have Aaron's review here too. And I got I'm gonna add another sentence here. Okay. You 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 would you don't see. This is a cigar I'd easily recommend to fans of Connecticut <laughs> Shade and is another nice offering to dab in portfolio. 
that that's the truth. And he, if this is, I mean, I pick on Aaron, but, but, but that's a big statement for him. The right. I'm just saying that because I tell is, yeah, I tell the guys, if I was making my top 25 list of the year for 2021, there would have been six cigars on it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and, you know, and you guys, you both said this construction at a Knox actually was pretty good this year. When I look back at it. Um, so it's it been that way. It's been that way from everything I've smoked there. Once, yeah, I, ever I mean, since I realized that I was smoking cigars from Noxa. Yeah, even some of the yeah. I mean, the soccer stuff is the Mikoritas. I've never had construction problems with those. Yeah. Um, Patina. You mentioned Patina. Uh, yeah. And and of course the, the Asylum stuff's actually been pretty good there too, construction wise. So so yeah, they, they they're definitely uh, doing some good stuff there, Ian. As far as that goes, so good. That's a good job by by you on that. No, well, you mentioned, yeah, go ahead, Ian. I'm sorry. I would love to take credit for that, but the reality of it is that Knox's situation is simply due to Raul. Raul is the guy that has whipped that factory into the shape that it's in. And, uh, and his, uh, and, and, and particularly for people that don't know the situation and climate that's happened in the last one or two years, the labor problems in Nicaragua. The losing uh, staff, the rollers, a bunch, you know, the bunch here. I mean, the the labor shortage, the demand increases, all of the things that's happened the last two years. Has, it is almost uh, insane to think that they've been able to keep up their quality, which is a testament to all the processes that they put in place there that are predominantly Raul, all the guys on the production. I mean, just name them all. And with the oversight of Oliva and Gus. I mean, if that factory, to, to do what they're doing in the last two years and to keep that up is, is, is remarkable. And it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with that factory and the people that are attentive and on to that there. That's a good job. Good job by them. Excellent. Ian, at the trade show, another thing that we saw, and uh, we all were pretty uh, impressed by this, you had, um, I, I'm gonna, I, I don't like you, I, I'll use the word value line, you could tell me if I'm wrong on that, but um, the union break, uh, which was a beautiful presentation you had, by the way, um, I, 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 I loved the tray you had, and I want to talk a little more about the tray, and, and because I think, you know, but uh you had you had some very unique kind of a unique arrangement of that. Talk a little about that line, because this this was that was pretty impressive from what I saw. Oh, I appreciate that. We're uh, so you know we're trying to expand all the areas of you know whether it's value line. Whatever. There's a lot of areas that we haven't made cigars to fill. Um, you know, it's not just about making premium core cigar lines. It's about making value cigars. It's about making short cigars about making even mid-fill cigars uh, ultra premium cigars just all these categories and one of the categories this category just kind of came upon us by accident there are these guys at a local cigar shop in fresno and uh these were union guys they wanted a, a premium uh they were union utility guys that that had a 15 minute essential break and they would stop in the cigar shop they wanted a 15-minute good cigar with a nice little sweet tip. And 
And so we thought we should take the same care that we do in our premium line, apply that to that genre, that value, and see if we can make a economical presentation of that in a way that that allowed us to, um, you know, one of the, the, the huge problems is boxes. You know, you can't take premium cigars, put them in these wooden boxes every time it becomes castles. Yep. So we thought, is there a way that we can make a box that looks awesome that you can put on the shelf and then that acts as your display box? And then yep. we'll just fill it. And it's not just a tray. You know? Yeah, and I'm sorry I said tray. You're right. It's a box. My apologies for that. Yes. That's why we wanted to do that. That's why we wanted to do box because you know what you see out there is normally trays. You see some sort of a tray. Yeah. So we wanted to have something that acted as a point of sale kind of look, and so we created this 150 count box that acts as a tray, and that you, uh, yeah, you open up the box, and uh, uh, each little uh, separation has uh, room for a 25 count bundle of four by 38 cigars, and then we provided. Uh, two bundles that were Connecticut Shade wrapped cigars, two bundles that were a Connecticut Shade, Connecticut Broadleaf wrapped cigars, and two that were a Broadleaf. So we felt like we had all three categories. It's the same filler components, which are Nicaraguan fillers that we use from Knox, really nice. Uh, and you just get a little bit of a flavor difference between the wrappers on them. Uh, and they're all sweet tip. They're all meant to be... Uh, you know, a, a nice little 15 minute short cigar. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm happy we've, we've been doing very well with the, the barber pole, ironically, have been like selling like crazy. I, I was going to say that because you, for that, for that's for a cigar in this genre, you don't see a lot of barber poles like that. It's stupid expensive. Well, I, I don't know if I, I, if I would redo it again. And matter of fact, I even remember going back to, you know, to Knox and, uh -huh. and I was like, hey, Joe, are these prices correct? He's like, Ian, it's a premium cigar and you're using Broadleaf and Shade. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I understand. Uh, but we really tried to hit that $5 price point. Right. We were aiming at, unfortunately, where we're at in California, it exceeds a little bit of five, but we're hoping for most of the country that you can get a nice, quick cigar five dollars and it's all the same tobacco and it's all the same long filler approach that we use for our premium cigars yeah I, I love i love the presentation of that like how you have the shade on the ends the shade of growth in the end and that that it kind of crosses with the barber pole in the middle which i thought was was really uh which was really cool and then the retailers could basically reorder a bundle and fill in the fill in the box i want to say box not tray yeah, we, you know, what you're not seeing in that photo is, you'll see at this PCA, we actually craft bundled the 25 counts, and we have like a silk screen, screen printed graphic with a warranty seal. That's pretty, it's pretty Oh, cool. this is really cool you're talking about this, because we get that <laughs> packaging segment. I want to talk about warranties. Awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> you're like, you're like thinking ahead with me on this. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really great. We didn't have the, uh, the full packaging because of various printing issues, but yep. uh, the, the the product that you'll see today is it's pretty impressive. It's and and you know everything is celloed, everything is barcoded, which is retail friendly. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it, we, we've tried to think a lot about what we can do to do that. 
in a in, in a $5 price point. Unfortunately, the barber poles, I think, go way over five. I think they're closer to six, but we try to make the very best product we could. Right. That's I mean, again, still getting a barber pole cigar for that price. That's that's still pretty good. Any this is they're all petite lanceros, right? Any thoughts of maybe making another size of those that maybe you know some people may not like the small lancero? No, we no, you we haven't thought about it yet. We've been just trying to keep up with the production. Okay, but yeah, it may it may turn into other fashions, and you know, yeah, yeah just that you know, it, it we also I have to remind myself we're in very small amounts of the country comparatively to a lot of big brands, so, yeah. A lot of these things like that, I I get on a phone call every day with the retailers, and they're like, "What is Union Break?" Because we send out pricing sheets, and I gotta re-go over it, even though you know it was at PCA, and even though the sales guys are selling it, and you know, so it's a lot of it's new to people that have never seen our products. You know? Yeah, I know when we talked for the first time, you were primarily a brand that was more popular, I'd say, west of the Mississippi. I, I can say since then, you know, there's a lot of people east of the Mississippi who have, who have been smoking and enjoying your cigars. So we've, we've seen them more here, which is which is great, too. And the, and the reception has been very good here. Yeah, it's we, you know, obviously, because we started in California and our base is California, we we have more traction. But now it's not the, the same case. Um, we've got a lot of coverage with sales that we're growing on the East Coast. We're that's our biggest areas of growth. Is yeah. The, uh, the Northeast particularly. Because yep. I was going to say that. That's such a heavy cigar area. And everything that we've done for the last 10 years is all new. They've never heard of us and they've never seen yep. any. So, yeah, a lot of our growth is there. And then also we're, we're really starting to pick up outside of the U.S. We sell a lot of cigars in Germany now. Oh, so wow. Europe, Netherlands. Uh, we're doing a great job in England, I think. We're doing remarkably well in uh, Dominican Republic. We sell a lot of cigars in Dominican Republic, which I wouldn't, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Dominican Republic would not exactly be where we want to sell cigars, but we got to get there at Cigar District. His name is Frank. He's crushing it with our brands at, uh, in the DR. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been an interesting last few years. No, it's good, good to hear on that. All right. Aaron, anything else we want to hit with Ian Brandwise here? Yeah, uh, Cubata Crew. Oh, thank you. That's what. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a uh, house brand that was made uh, prior at um, at the La Aurora factory, and it was done. Uh, it's been a long-standing brand at Cigars Ltd in Fresno. Uh, the owner, Mike Johnson, and one of the biggest supporters of the brand approached me about it was like, you know, you guys are crushing it, making great cigars. Do you want to take on this brand that we've had for a while and and uh, and redo it and revamp it to what you do? And I said, I'd love to, because one, we didn't have a sweet tip cigar that's been on market for a while. And it was a great project. And, and also, he's a great retailer. And, and, you know, any good retailer which that's been supportive of you, you want to return the favors, reciprocity excuse me, reciprocity. So we took on Kubota Crew. It took an extraordinarily long time to do it. But we blended a cigar that was kind of out of my wheelhouse, which was a Connecticut Shade cigar with a sweet tip that had mostly Dominican Phillips. 
And my goal of that cigar was, you know, I used to think about La Fontana, Baccarat. Mm -hmm. Yep. And what I liked about those as a starting cigar smoker, as somebody that was, that wanted something not too heavy, that just wanted something that was pleasant. And I said, all right, well, let me try to blend a cigar that checks all those boxes. And so I thought we, we did that. We created a Connecticut shade cigar that was very, what I feel is very mild to medium and very light and enjoyable and approachable with a, with a slight sweetness to it and kind of an homage or we're trying, I'm just trying to, trying to uh, do service to that category, which has essentially been dominated by things like, uh, you know, Baccarat, La Fontana, or even recently with the Sober Mesa Brulee, I don't know if it's sweetened or not, but any, you know, Connecticut shade with a little sweet, and then, you know, that's what we're trying to hit on that right. mark. We just released What was the names of those Vitolas? <laughs> they were like, like, Bucko, Bumbo. What was up with those names? What are those names all about? Yeah, I don't know if this is going to be our greatest, uh, <laughs> our greatest accomplishment, but <laughs> a lot of crew thing. Mike is just a, he's like a marketing kind of, he's a crazy man. Okay. And he named this whole Kubata crew thing. I asked, what does this thing even mean? And he's like, well, it's like after some rum thing and it's all piratey and Sailorish, and I thought, okay, well, why don't we just name cigars after piratey kind of term? Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Like you know, Bucko and Bumbo. Bumbo's like yeah. pirate drink, and Blimey, obviously. Yeah. We were like five minutes away from calling one of the blends R with like donation <laughs> point because well, I, I that'd be hilarious. Right. But, uh, the dynamics of that would be really awkward. Like, how do you get the guy to order that on the phone? Like, he's like, I'll take four boxes of ER. And then we say, You want the R? Like, you know, like it just became weird. Right. So we, we just kind of try to figure out some piratey kind of names. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of whimsical. It's kind of fun. And ironically, everybody loves the name. So I don't know. It's, it's just funny. No, that's that. I get now. I see it. That's. Uh, I was wondering if it was something with the origins of that line or whatever. But it makes sense now. Uh, with that, yeah, I was thinking something completely different when I heard Bucko. Uh, it was it was an expression from the show Happy Days, right? That Richie Cunningham used to use. So I was wondering if there was something with. I was wondering where is I, I. So I was completely thinking a different way with that. But you could still do a line extension, Ian, and use that R name. So, I you know we may do. <laughs> <laughs> we can get the order yeah. yeah but yeah the whole sweetened cap thing right um this so this is something you know obviously they sell a lot people sell a lot of cigars there's some concerns maybe fda goes after that right but um you're definitely seeing them i mean obviously with with two releases in the last year using that you're, you're obviously seeing there's a market for this stuff still yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, 99% of our cigars are, are not sweet and tip right now. Right. But, you know, we're, like I said, we're trying to check all the boxes for, you know, any category of cigars that people want. We want to do the best we can to make a product that we think is superior that will go into that category. And that's a category we never did. It's a category that exists. If mm -hmm. the 
FDA rules down that those things are not allowed, we'll abandon them. We'll take off the sweetened tips. And, and that, at the end of the day, sweet tip or not, I approach the blending to those cigars exactly like all the restaurants. Sure. And if that doesn't have a sweetened tip, I still want that cigar to taste what we blend. Mm-hmm. And so these cigars stand on their own without the sweet tip. But if the FDA rules that those things are not allowed in the future, no problem. We'll take off the sweet tip. Yeah. And we'll conferences, you know? Yeah. I was talking to one of the manufacturers who said the exact same thing is like, hey, I think the cigar will be great. Even if we, we've made some without the sweet tips and, you know, we can go there if we have to. So, so that's a good news as well. All right. Yep. All right. Now, Aaron, you're smoking the Kubota crew, which I was very surprised about. Yep. As soon as Sue's Coop gives me the high sign, I'm going to tell you what I think. Well, so why don't we we'll go, we'll get <laughs> right, we'll, we'll get right into it? I just got to do a read for that one, okay? Um, and I want to mention uh, what we're smoking tonight, sponsored by Tailored Smoke, located in the heart of downtown Charlotte's Epicenter, and now the Charlotte Motor Speedway in Concord, North Carolina. Tailored Smoke is your one-stop shop for a tailored smoking experience. So, Alan, t- I mean, Alan. Hey. That's an insult. I think that, that was, is an insult. That was an insult. Well, he's 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 messaging me how he's messaging me how like Doc Rivers is going to ruin Jane Harden's career. <laughs> but uh, so I, but okay, Aaron, what you're smoking? So you're smoking this. Let's let's talk about. I smoke the Cubata Crew. Yep. Uh, so knowing that it had a sweetened cap ahead of time, uh, when I know that, I will test it out before I cut the cigar. I know that's a no-no if you're a community cutter at the shop guy, but I have my own cutter. I don't let other people use it. So it's, it's okay. Uh, very subtle, very subtle sweetness. It's not like a, you know, cloying sweetness or like artificial sweetener taste or anything. It's, it's very subtle. And once I start smoking the cigar, you get like hints of it, but it's, there's nothing that's like hitting you like really as part of the profile, I would say. Um, toasted cedar, um, a little bit of mustiness to it. Um, Every once in a while, you'll get like a hit, a hit of sharpness that I, I kind of get from like Dominican tobacco, uh, things like that. But I will say that um, I would say that uh, it's a cigar that you really should retrohale because there's so much more in the retrohale um, than what you get uh, on your tongue and your taste buds. Um, because you get that toasted cedar, you get that light mustiness, but you also get some creaminess. You also get some sweetness. And it's not the sweetness from the cap. It's from the tobacco. Um, so the retrohale really evolves over what you get in the mouth as well. So, um, it's nice to be able to kind of get that combination where you can get different components based on what you're doing. So if you don't like to retrohale, you'll get a certain profile. Uh, if you like to play around, you can retrohale a full draw, partial draws, whatever you want. So you can get that mix in there. So it's an interesting cigar. Like I said, the sweetness is not a, like if you're very averse to sweetness, this isn't going to be something that should push you away from the cigar. Um, it's just really subtle. So, you know, you may get a little bit of the, uh, up front, but after, you know, after a few draws, it's probably not going to be even, even play into it. So um, nice, nice new release for you, Ian, and is interesting to smoke it. Thank you for uh, giving me one TP. Yeah. I, uh, you know, we purposely gave all the Raiders. The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like a faux pas, you know. You can't rate a sweet tip cigar, really. So we, we do it. We do it. We purposely gave them out to everyone. Um, but I, re- you know, my personal side, like yeah, every 
blend as their size. And I personally have been smoking the hell out of those six by 44s. I don't know what is going on with that particular size. I'll have to send you guys some of them. And you can tell me if I'm out of my mind or not. But for whatever reason, you know, the first cigar that you pull out of your humidor in the morning with that coffee means something to me. That's like the first cigar that I really, yeah. I mean, it might be the only cigar I really focus in on and have 100% attention to and just enjoy every day is that first cigar in the morning, coffee. And, you know, sadly enough, I've been reaching over to that cigar in the 6x44 more than I'd like to admit uh, these mornings. And, uh, and for me, that means that I've, that we're making a cigar that somebody that doesn't enjoy sweet tip cigars reaches into craft. So that justifies to me why we're making that cigar. You know? Good job. Is this, is this, uh, when's this going to ship the retailers? By the way, that was my question. We're already shipping. Coop. Oh, great. Okay, great. Yeah, great. When he says it releases, it releases. There you go. <laughs> that's not, another, not... <laughs> that's all that we're having. That's a well, we know some other cigars out of that factory it depends <laughs> we won't go there uh awesome awesome all right i'm smoking the Des despolito robusto um it's the second time i'm smoking this cigar. i'm gonna say this is a complex cigar ian i mean you definitely uh, i'm getting some of the creamy oak notes dark fruit i'm getting some pepper there's some earthy notes in here um the retro hail is really interesting as i've been smoking this um it's got is there's some there's there's a lot of flavors on the retro it depends how, like, Ben and I were talking about, Ben is on our team, we talk about the amount of the retro hail you're going to do. Like, you could do a, a very deep retro hail on this, and you'll get some of the spice, but you don't have to do the, the, the deep retro hail, and you could, you could kind of manage that, I think, to your, uh, to your liking. The other thing that's interesting about this cigar is I normally don't like a floral note on a cigar, but I am getting a floral note, but it's because there's, like, a lot going on, with these flavors, I feel like the floral notes working on this cigar and it's working extremely well. Um, like I said, it's not your cookie cutter, uh, Habano Rosado cigar by any means. I, I have not smoked. And sometimes I get like, I just kind of like, uh, I sigh when I get another one of Habano Rosados, not the case with this one at all. Uh, th this is as good a cigar as I've had with this wrapper. Um, and I'm enjoying it a lot. Ian, this is, this is a tremendous job you've done with this. Yeah, I don't. I don't like floral notes either. I don't particularly like floral notes, and I don't particularly like salty notes. Right. I, I'm the. You and I are aligned with that, but there yeah. is one. I am getting one on this, but it seems like it's like I said, it's it's adding to the complexity, and it's it, it's kind of it's playing nicely with these flavors as well. But it's not overpowering the blend by any means. I I think we shared our scripting notes. I feel like we're on the same page on this one. Oh wow! I think we're colluding because I. <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't like floral notes. I don't like overly salty notes. I don't like overly sour notes. And right. so for me, growing as a tobacco person is embracing some of the things I don't like in right. cigar and trying to incorporate those elements at a level that I do like. And so that has been a lot of our, for me, personal growth using tobaccos I'm not comfortable with, namely out of the DR, and namely tobaccos I would stay away from and incorporating them in our blends to get those elements, but in, a, in enough that 
is enjoyable for me, but not making it overwhelming. So, you know, we're just trying to get complexity and trying to hint and tease on things that we normally wouldn't like in abundance. Right. Complementary to the blend. So I appreciate you noticing those things. Yeah. And when the smoke's kind of, kind of floating around your tongue and then when you retro hair, you just, like I said, the complexity is really there with this cigar. Um, and keep in mind, I'm smoking this doing a show, which sometimes complexity gets overlooked. But in this case, it's it's there. It's like, yeah, I, I I'm maybe I'm slightly distracted because I'm doing the show, but the complexity is there with this cigar. Um, and I, like I said, I'm extremely enjoying this cigar. So uh, it's a great job with this. Um, like I said, you. Yep. you need to put a banner behind you that's brought to you by Desperate <laughs> We have other options. <laughs> they do, but awesome. No, it's great. Um, yeah. all right. So let's get, we have a few fun segments. These are shorter, Ian. Um, but uh before we kinda of, I have to do another round of of commercial, but before I do that, um we have our cattle baron steak question of the night. This is related to steak. Um so Ian, here's my question. Do you, you like steak, right? Yeah, no, I'm a vegan. No, I'm just joking. I, we I, had we had we've had one vegan and I was tricked into that one by the way. Who was that? Not to out him. Oh, who was the vegan, Aaron? Uh it was uh it was one of the guys that was with um the Amadol guys? No. No, uh, the Amadol. Shit. I'm playing. Oh no, his... I remember the ATL guys. No, 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 no. It wasn't the ATL guys? No, oh his, his, uh the wife was like a partial vegan. Right. But right. uh when George Brightman was on the show, yes, he had one of the guys with him that was. That's who it was when George yeah. Brightman went, wanted to put yeah. in the lounge. Yeah, so it was. It technically wasn't a guest, but he sure. he knew. But George Brightman watches the show and he knew this question was coming, so he had it all. He had this all set up too. <laughs> I have no idea this was coming up, but feel free to answer. Um, give me your best shot with regards to cattle. Okay, <laughs> so I want to know your favorite side dish with a steak. Oh, dude, he, he just had to ask me. So, this is shameful. Shameful. And I just went over this the other day. So, I like to go to a really old kind of school steakhouse. Yeah. And maybe I was an abused child. I didn't have very nice, luxurious dinners. But I like those green beans that are, they have to be canned. And they got, like, tomatoes and bacon in them. Yes, yes. I don't know. It's the most disgusting. I mean, they're not like a real green bean. I don't even think that they're. I. I. They can't be real. I mean, they get. They can't be like the, you know the stringy ones or whatnot. But those canned squeaky green beans that they put with tomato and they put bacon in them. Yep. They're like always on the side of a classic steakhouse place. I love that. That's my. That's my answer right there. They're really. We've had this discussion at our house about that. Those green beans too uh they're really they're actually like i said they're not fresh green beans but they're really good is what i'll just say <laughs> i i totally that's a great answer ian that's my thing i mean that's my immediate the other one close seconds a close second are those little tiny base shrimp you know they'll put them in like a little cup with the cocktail sauce and celery and i hate celery i won't <laughs> eat it by itself but they put the little chunks of celery in there with the, the cocktail sauce and their little tiny shrimp, which I have no idea how they even catch these shrimp 
or how they clean these shrimp. It's like there's got to be some sort of Tesla engineering involved in <laughs> that. But those little bay shrimp cocktails, I can eat like 10 of those. I love those too. That's a great one as well. That's a good one, Ian. Nice job. All right. So what I'm going to do, Ian, uh, we have two more short segments. Uh, one, some more fun questions. And then the second one is on some packaging things we'll talk about. So um, let me just kind of do a word from uh, the sponsors. I want to mention uh, JRE Tobacco. The authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of cigars in Cuba, it was a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it is one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamasaran Valley in Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years experience in the tobacco business from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the JRE Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, Julianus and Husto bring their very own brand to market, each containing the authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in 100% authentic Corojo Puro, San Andreas Maduro, Ecuadorian Connecticut shade, Cameroon or Habano wrapper, representing the golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. Now available at local retailer, be sure to ask for JRE Tobacco, a legacy that's tasted in every drawer. And by Corona Cigar Company. At Corona Cigar Company, we take pride in the fact that we are cigar fanatics just like you. That's why you'll find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. Plus, we have special limited edition cigars available exclusively to Corona Cigar Company from famous international cigar makers such as LFD, Drew Estate, Arturo Fuente, Perdomo, and Oliva. We have the best selection, the best customer service, and money-saving discount prices. But don't just take our word for it. Forbes magazine selected Corona Cigar Company as best of the web. Corona Cigar was voted a top five internet cigar retailer by Smoke Magazine. And Cigar Aficionado wrote, Corona Cigar Company, the largest, best stock cigar shops in America. You can place an order online at www.coronacigar.com or visit one of Corona's four central Florida cigar superstars and cigar bars and see for yourself why Corona Cigar Company is the ultimate cigar experience. And I just want to highlight Aganorsa Leaf again. Uh, we are highlighting the Aganorsa experience. Um, you can go to the Cigar Coop website. Um, and this month, the Aganorsa experience, you'll get a behind the scenes look. Uh, if you click on that sidebar on the TPE releases from Aganorsa Leaf. Uh, so um, you can, uh, Terrence Riley uh, will show you some of the products there um, on a short video. And keep up uh, with there. There'll be more content we have uh, throughout the upcoming weeks. And finally, I want to get into our Alec Bradley uh, segment. Alec Bradley Live True segment, sponsored by Alec Bradley. 500 cigars are set a fire in this country every minute. That's a staggering statistic. But wait, that's a good thing. All those folks reacting with a high, fine cigar. The trouble is a lot of those cigars aren't worth remembering. They're just plain forgettable. That's why you should pick up an Alec Bradley cigar. You'll taste that baby and say, mm-hmm, I'll remember you, Alec Bradley. Learn more at alecbradley.com. So, Ian, this is our Live True segment, and we're going to ask you some questions that aren't – well, there's a couple that are cigar-related in there. Um, there's one. Uh, but these are just questions um, that you may see thrown around in a cigar store. Now, I did something new. Uh, these are our new set of questions except for the last question, which I don't change. So, Aaron, uh, I don't know how these will go. We'll see, <laughs> we'll see how these go. Test them out on Ian. Ian's going to get the testing on this, all right? <laughs> all right. First question. A topping you like on pizza besides cheese? 
besides cheese, I would have to go. I'm a traditionalist. Yep. Pepperoni. There yes. you go. There you go. Can't go wrong with that. Boring. Can't go wrong with that. Um, by the way, the, 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 there was a debate on tuna fish on pizza this week. It was interesting. So uh, you, you can know, do it, but it's not your regular pizza you're going to do it on. So is what I'll say. This was. Apparently, there is a creation on fresh mushrooms. I didn't understand that. You know, you have to specify the fresh mushrooms on the pizza. Which uh, is the canned mushrooms? Yes, you, you absolutely do. You absolutely do on that uh my wife that's my wife's favorite topping and, and it has to be the fresh mushrooms i didn't realize this all this years but it turns out that they are right the canned mushrooms and the squeaky mushrooms mm-hmm. yeah squeaky mushrooms versus not squeaky mushrooms yeah. yeah very true that's very true um so uh yeah no it's uh i i could tell you in this house that's that's a big thing so all right, this is, this is the one cigar question I have here, and we're going to do more of this in the next topic, but I had included this already here. So, Ian, there's, there's, I'm going to name uh, different three types of cigar packaging, right? One of them has to go away forever, okay? And the three things are coffins, paper bundles, not cello bundles, but the paper bundles, or tubes, tubos. One of those things, you just go away. I don't want to deal with it. I would say coffins. We don't make coffins, but just the idea of spending that much money on one cigar. Uh, yeah. It's crazy from a manufacturing standpoint. So I'm going to go with coffins. I have had bad experience with coffins long-term aging. I'll just say that. I, I have to take everything out of the coffins now. Watch your liberty. <laughs> it's already been a problem. <laughs> I hate to say, not this year, but yeah, previous one. It, it had, yeah. Yeah, it's just, I'm just saying coffins just notoriously, I don't know if it's my, my the way I'm storing them, but I, 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 I support that one. As much as I don't like paper bundles, I still would get rid of the coffins because I think paper bundles, there are places like online where it makes sense. So I'm not, right. a, not a big fan of the uh, tubos either, by the way. I think they're the best looking presentation for the yeah. actuality of it all, you know. So. Yeah, I mean, I will say I like tubos when I travel. Um, you know, it's just they make they make, and I, I mean travel like where I'm going out for the day or something like that. And if I just need to put a cigar and I don't feel like carrying a case, a tubo makes sense. Yeah. But that's right. really the only use case I can think of. Right. All right. This next question is related to the Olympics. All right. And the question is a sport in the Olympics that you might be able to do very well in. And these could be winter or summer Olympics, or you know, but, no, but would be very well. What was that? Uh, so the question is the sport that I would be able to do very well. Yeah, it could, hey, you know, what? I could maybe do that and compete to some level. Without a doubt, curling. Yes, good 100%. one. Good one. I, I I'm going to go out on a limb and say that not only would I be able to do that pretty well, I'd actually be able to do that very well while intoxicated. <laughs> I think it's a precursor. It is harder to do it than you think, as I'm just going to tell you, because I've actually, we have a curling center in Charlotte. So in North Carolina. So it is a little harder to do than you think. I think that people, th- people like play bocce and they're like, it's just bocce yeah. on ice. I it's, could do it, that. It is. It's just, it's <laughs> those, those, it's just, you know, it's not, you can't, I can see though, people mastering it quickly though. Just yeah. even, like I said, just going on the excursion ones. I didn't master it very well. Uh, I'll just say that. 
but other people who I know seem to catch on quicker than I did. I think I could even be the sweeper, to be quite fair. Wow. I, think yeah. I, I have that vigorous sweeping action in yeah. me. <laughs> I mean, you know, there was, there's a funny story. Uh, Eric Nording, the pipe maker, came to Charlotte during the Winter Olympics one year, and he was, like, really into the Danish uh, cur women's curling team. And he was, like, telling me how, like, they're all, like, hot, basically. And, you know, he was showing me, like, pictures of, of them and, like, websites and stuff it was like wow you're really into this he's like yeah yeah that, that hot he goes <laughs> i also think that's the only olympic sport that i'm physically capable of it, it, it's yeah it's something that you yeah you you're definitely physically capable it's just harder than you think when you do it when you actually try it but yes. again but you can compete in that you could fail you can come back and compete again like if if you're gonna go ski jump you may not get another chance because you may be dead so you know yeah exactly uh you know definitely i'm not gonna try a pole vault because it's just <laughs> like i love track and field i mean i can run like i used to be able to run but uh i could never do the, I, I could never do that the field stuff's really hard i mean that pole yeah. vault is like holy cow i've actually seen people pole vaulting and just watching them I'm like i don't know how you how you daddy do it look a close second because i've given you a close second on everything yep bobsled yeah you just don't want to be the you don't want to be the drive you don't want to be the driver i don't yeah. want to be the driver i agree i do like i prefer to be in the four man so like basically if, if i mess up there's three other guys who can you know yeah help me out with that's your job yeah i have i've never bobsled i have seen a bobsled track and those are really just marvels to look at so uh I will right. just say, watching this Olympics, there's some shenanigans happening. That's all I'll say. It's not. <laughs> yeah, I agree. From what I've seen, I yeah, I'm not going to argue on this one. I'm, I'm sure that this happens at other Olympics that I have not paid as close attention to, but it's very clear. Yep. I have nothing bad to say about the Chinese government. <laughs> <laughs> It's like when Austin Powers comes out of being frozen, and that you know the the you know the British guy, the Russian guy, he's like he's like, hey, comrade, you know, just make sure he's on the right side, right side of things, right? Yeah. Pretty soon, the you know the Chinese will be running our country, so just make sure you're on the good side. Right. I don't want anything on the internet. <laughs> Backtrack. <laughs> oh, it's good. All right, next one. Uh, this is related to spirits. Like, uh, do you prefer them neat or on the rocks? Or does it depend? I, uh, I am a uh, volume drinker. I prefer <laughs> on the rocks. It's easy to consume in volume on the rocks. Oh, okay. You know, um, I, when I drink, uh, I'm at the point in my life, and you guys may have hit this point. I'm not trying to impress anybody. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I go for comfort and I go for distance. <laughs> that's my kind of drinking <laughs> <laughs> i uh i i it's funny i i i like neat right I, but i will drink on the rocks it's just i don't want it with ice i want it with something that's not going to dilute it there you go yeah so you know use whatever with that all right next one's related to a musical instrument um so the in a musical instrument i don't know if you play any or not but this is a musical instrument that you don't know how to play but you would like to learn how to play 
yeah, without a doubt, the drums. Yeah, it would be mine. Mm. I I, uh, I play musical instruments, but I'm uh, half Asian, so uh, you're beaten into playing only two different instruments as an Asian. Like a cello uh, or what? A violin. Yeah, so violin and piano. Oh, there you go. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. There are no other musical instruments because apparently those don't uh, have the same cachet. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Saying because my mom's never gonna see this, but <laughs> if I had it my way, I'm uh, I'm going drums or guitar, preferably drums, and in sort of a Motley Crue fashion. There you go. Nice, nice. All right. If you could set the speed limit for driving in your state, what would that speed limit be? We're talking interstate, or are we talking uh, city travel? Let's say interstate. Let's just go interstate because that's higher than city. I feel like 85 is a reasonable. Yeah, that's the number I had in mind. Yeah. Yep. 85. Yep. I agree. Good a lot one. of advancements in cars as well as uh, seat belts and airbags. We should add at least 35 miles to these. <laughs> yeah. City, cities are tricky. I grew up in cities and, you know, playing on the streets and having my kids playing. I, I kind of get the lower speed limits in the city, though. So. I do. So uh, I can just say, like, my wife's my wife has more speeding tickets than me. And it's not because she has a uh, she basically has gotten nailed every time in like a 25 mile zone. Yeah. So, you know, that, those are tricky. You got to watch those residential areas. man. Yeah, you, know? you do. You do. Yeah, that's definitely. All right. A home repair that needs to be done where you absolutely have to call in outside help. That would be all of them. <laughs> That's me too. All right, good, good answer. It's me too. I and I and, and I, I, I apply that. I actually practice that one. Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, uh, I watch the, uh, you know, the home improvement shows, and uh, like everyone, I'm like, I could do that. And then reality is like, no, I can't. Yes. I, I just don't want the hassle. Yeah. I just like, like uh, I can have someone come in here that's been doing it for 25 years or I could try it for the first time and fuck it up. I'll, 25 years of experience sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I can mess it up so bad. I, we just recently had this house painted and I told the painters, I need you to put every picture back on this wall. <laughs> so that was part of the, the, the pick, they, pick a picture of the wall before you. That's what they, that's what they, that's what they did. That's what they, yeah. exactly what they did. Uh, and they asked me, hey, you need anything moved? Because I had them, like, do some patching and stuff on some of these walls, too. So, you know, they had it. Yeah, basically, they all had to be rehung. And some of them were bigger, bigger, bigger things that I didn't want to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Who, right. What's your interior color? What was that? What's your favorite interior paint color, too? Autumn mist. <laughs> it's kind of like that. That It's like this autumn mist, not quite gray. But uh, it's a nice neutral color that goes with almost anything. Aaron, uh, I kind of dig that, like uh, like sandy tan color. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's pretty common for a lot of houses now. You get that sandy tan with like the white baseboards and trim. Yeah, uh, it kind of looks nice. Stuff can hit the wall, and you can clean it. And- yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, definitely gloss. Definitely high gloss. Yeah. We no, have, flat, no flats we have one room that's like deep blue is what i'll say upstairs it's my one of my son's rooms 
Well, when we moved in here, he's like, uh, I want deep blue. So you got deep, there's one room with deep blue. Deep blue feels like a psychiatric. It it, right. it 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 actually with the white. There's a lot of trim in that room though. It actually doesn't look bad. Um, and it was it was actually. Uh, this was a model house and they had it pink. So he obviously mm. that was one that had to be painted because uh, that was going to be a boy's room. So they went with this, he went with this deep blue. It has it, but the white trim does look nice. And there's, there's crown molding in that room, which is nice too. So it's, it's, it's nice. Let me just go on the record coop and say that there's nothing wrong with having a boy's room. that's painted in the event that this is watched by other people outside. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> agree. I, that was their choice is what I said. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say it was their choice, but, but I agree. I'm not gonna go there. All right, so last question of this segment: If you had a reality show, your own reality show, what would the title of it be? That's an easy one, Coop. Shit show. All right. <laughs> All right, that's good. All right, so you know, you all can't time. We have one more short segment I want to do with you. It's the packaging segment I talked about. Absolutely. All right, great. So uh, appreciate it. So let me just do one more round of sponsors here. I want to start with J.C. Newman Cigar Company, founded in 1895 by Julius Caesar Newman. The J.C. Newman Cigar Company is the oldest family premium cigar maker in America. For four generations and 126 years, J.C. Newman has been handcrafting many of the world's finest cigars. J.C. Newman is headquartered in an iconic 111-year-old cigar factory in the Ybor City National Historic Landmark District in Tampa, Florida. At this factory, known as Elder Hole, J.C. Newman owns premium cigars by hand in hand-operated antique cigar machines. The J.C. Newman Pencil Factory is the second largest in Nicaragua, and it's a brickhouse, Perla de Mar, El Baton, Quorum, and Yaguar cigars are hand-rolled. J.C. Newman's Diamond Crown, Maximus, Julius Caesar, and Black Diamond cigars are handmade by tobacco or A. Fuente in the Dominican Republic. With its longtime partners, the Arturo Fuente family, the Newmans founded the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation, which supports low-income families in the Dominican Republic with education, healthcare, vocational training, and clean water. Visit jcnewman.com to learn more. And by Casa Cuevas Cigars. The Cuevas family has five generations of experience in cigar making. For many years, they've manufactured cigars with many industry leaders at a Las Lavas factory in the Dominican Republic. Now the Cuevas family has brought their very own brand to market with Casa Cuevas Cigars. Try the Casa Cuevas, Connecticut, the Casa Cuevas Habano, Casa Cuevas Maduro, La Mandaria, and Patrimonial lines, as well as the Cuevas Reserva line. If they don't carry it, be sure to ask your local retailer for Casa Cuevas Cigars. Casa Cuevas Cigars from our Casa de Yours. And by Aventura Cigars. Aventura the Explorer is the first creation by Marcel Noble and Henderson Ventura. Immediately after lighting up the Explorer, the Mexican rapper will delight the aficionado with its dark chocolate flavor. After a while and pleasure, the Dominican filler will flatter the aficionado palate with wonderful spicy and leathery aromas and unite it with the wooden sweetness from Ecuador. Try Aventura, the Explorer, and explore the wonderful experience. Now, I want to mention the Great Smoke event. That's right, folks. This year's mega event is breaking barriers once again, returning with a live in-person event with a Hawaiian theme and broadcasting live virtually into the comfort of your own home. Michael Hercott will be reprising his role as co-host for the main event, broadcasting special segments from the TGS on-site studio and in the field for all virtual attendees around home. Adding to more fun to the party this year, the Great Smoke 2022 event features a whopping four days of pre-event parties, after parties, and of course, the main event itself. For those making the trek to the Sunshine State, get out your favorite Hawaiian shirt and prepare to get laid. So finally, we're going to get into our industry deliberation segment. And this is sponsored by Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. 
There is no deliberation when it comes to Dumbarton's track record since launching in 2015. This has included seven consecutive top three appearances on the half-wheel consensus, including number one cigar of the year in 2020 with the Mi Carita Tricky Traca. You can visit DTCigars.com to find a purveyor that carries the brands of Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. So, uh, Ian and Aaron, um, this uh, segment, packaging's been in the crosshairs a lot lately, right? Um, so I want to take a completely different spin on this, right? And I wanted to look at things from a more traditional packaging perspective here and, and, and look at some of the little things, right? And I'm gonna, I put together a list of items here, um, and I'm just kind of curious, uh, Ian and Aaron, uh, I want to get your opinions on some of these. Some of these are yes or no or choices, um, but I have 11 things on here we'll go through. And some of these may be quicker than others. So the first question I have for you guys is, should every cigar have a cigar band on it? I would say no. I would agree with that. And I agree with it too. I think there's cases where you do want to have the band on it, but I think there's certain cases where it doesn't make sense either. I mean, Union Break's a great example of that, right? I don't think you need to have a band for what that brand was designed to do. I have a bar code. That's enough. Yeah, yeah, you got that right. Exactly. Okay, here's the next question. This is also related to cigar bands. A ribbon or another band around the cigar footer. Should that is that something that you can live or live without? I mean, we don't have any ribbons on our footers, but I understand why people do put them on there. It's ornamental, and also there's some protective elements to the uh, foot of the cigar. So I'm ambivalent about it either way. Yeah, I agree with that. Depending on what you want to do, like, yeah, what you want to do with the cigar. I, I hate ribbons. I'd rather see another band on it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know. I just, I hate taking ribbons off cigars. It's just me. But but I, I think in certain cases where, again, I think it does serve a legitimate purpose, right? That you want to protect that footer and certain wrappers, I can tell you it makes a lot of sense as well. All right. So we've been keeping with the band theme. Okay. Cigars that have more than two cigar bands on the cigar. Very ornamental. I get why people do it. I never have done it. Uh, well, we've done it once. And really where it comes into play for us is, is if we need to communicate a special addition to somebody, but we don't want to have to go through the expensive process of redoing an entire primary band with regards to the embossing dies and the cutting dies there's a large upfront expense for us on that so sometimes it makes sense to have a secondary band to display the name or more legibly display the name or partnership with this with the store so i'm pretty ambivalent about it as a consumer it's a lot of stuff you got to address through the process of smoking a cigar so i get that frustration as well right yeah i agree with what Ian said like if you already got a if you already got a cigar that's got two bands on it and you're doing a special edition for like TAA or a shop exclusive or something like that. You can always just not touch the original packaging, go ahead with a foot band for that's got the logo or whatever to differentiate it from what the standard line is. So um, we all know that the more bands, the more luxurious the cigar is. And um, yeah, so yeah, I mean, five bands, if you want to go five bands to go five bands, just make it, you know, Presidente and you can get more bands on it. So, yeah, no, I, 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 
I agree with that as well. Um, I didn't put this in there, but the band, I don't like a cigar that doesn't have a band at, towards the head. Like, I just hate mm. those. I hate this the, the footer-only bands because I like, I don't know, I feel like I like identifying what I'm smoking. It, and you don't want to get your white gloves dirty, right? Right, right, exactly. Okay. <laughs> All right, so moving on. This I'm, I'm curious about this answer here. And this is Bovida packs or the equivalent in cigar box packaging. So you open that box and there's a Bovida pack or something else in there. I mean, I'm biased because we have a program with Bovida. Um, for us, we use an usually use an 18 gram pack, which I think is the perfect size for, you know, a 20, 25 count uh, cabinet or 25 count semi-hinged box, whatever. But I like the fact that the Bovidas, if you, if you're a consumer and you spend over $200 on a box of our cigars and you undo that box, if that Bovida is semi-pliable, you kind of get a good assurance as a consumer, when you bought that product, that the humidity for that box at least was taken care of and, and the cigars were at uh, correct, you know, moisture content. So I like it from both what they do for the transit time for our cigars, for when they leave the factory to when they end up in our warehouse, and, as well as to the end consumer. Uh, so I'm a big fan of the, of the Bovidas myself. I think they have a great company. I think they make a great product. I don't know about the other brands out there. Yeah, I'd agree with that. <clears throat> For the manufacturer, it gives them the ability to try to take uh, the retailer out of the loop a bit. Uh, for one, you know, they ship the cigars to the retailer, and then the retailer ships the cigars to the consumer, depending on what the retailer's process is for packaging those cigars, whether they include a Bovida, a water pillow, whatever it is, if they, or if they don't include anything. Um, having that in the box, as long as it's been taken care of at the retailer's location for that time, wasn't just sitting it out, giving enough time for the Bovida in the box to dry out. Um, it just, it's a way for the manufacturer to kind of add a little bit extra insurance there that it makes it to the end consumer in good shape. So I actually have a question on this one, right? Because I agree with everything Ian and Aaron just said, but a lot of times I'll get those Bovida packs and they're dried out. Like when I get the box, so is that a is that more of a factor of hey the there was something that went wrong with this? I mean, because it, it's not one box. I've gotten it on many boxes that where it's just hard as a rock when I open that thing. Like, why was this in there? Yeah, from our experience, we used to originally ship our Kubos with a Bovida pack that was unsellowed cigars, and I noticed that when we were shipping unsellowed twenty five count cigars, the smaller Bovidas would oftentimes show rock hard. Yeah, it makes sense. It's, now I'm thinking about that, yeah. You know, when we switch to cello, to where we're cellophaning the cigars, and we switch to a larger bovida, the 18 grams, which a lot of people don't use, they use right. grams, we found that that was the most consistent way for the cigars for us to arrive, in which the bovida was fully, you know, charged. And that's kind of been our sweet point. Uh, so, you know, we've kind of just stuck with that formula. Um, but we have had situations in the past where if you use a smaller 12 gram, 8 gram bovida, whatever they are, and especially if you ship unsellowed cigars, those bovidas will oftentimes drain 
just from the fact that the cigars in there are you know soaking up moisture. That makes sense now because I've seen that more with the unsellowed cigars. You're right. So question question for you, Ian. Um, are your box are your boxes also cellowed around, or are they the boxes naked themselves? Yeah. So we uh, we sell the cigars. We boba. Then the boxes themselves are also shrink wrapped, and then mm -hmm. the cartons that we receive from Noxa are also shrink wrapped, and that's to prevent uh, damage during transit in case there's a water leak or something that happens in the process of shipping the pallets. And so, between those three things, we've been able to alleviate the amount of possible damage and seal the cigars pretty well. And so, does that as a, kind of the main question is? Um, does the shrink wrap around the box, does that hold everything in pretty well compared to if it was not shrink wrapped? Yeah, absolutely. It holds things pretty well. It also, it also acts as a damage repellent because when boxes shift around and they scuff up, yeah, a little bit of a glide. Okay. So I think, you know, we're obviously settled on that. We, we went down the shipping unsellowed cigars and, uh, the amount of damage was astronomical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's always that debate of solo versus unsolo, and and I am on the solo side. I just have better experience with, every, and especially from aging cigars, soloed ones just hold up better. I'll give it a little air, the breeze, breeze, but pretty much I, I I'm a, I'm on the solo camp, um, all the time. All right, a boxes. Slide top or latch? So from our perspective, we would love the entire world to be on the slide top because we get more density. Right. And it's less both to us and to the retailer. And retailers will tell you they always love uh, slide top boxes because they take up less shelf space. Right. The reason we don't do them anymore is because cigars sell less. Mm. Interesting in a wide format hinged box the sales is tremendous compared to the slide top and this is for us obviously companies like Tatuaje they crush it they, they use slide top boxes that's for them but for us particularly uh, you know the hinged wide format boxes they have the best rate of sales for us and the best presentation. Yeah, I mean, as a consumer, I would agree with Ian, like the slide top boxes, you know, would be a better fit because you could, you know, stack them better and get more stuff in the space. But, you know, what he says is for a retailer, absolutely true. If, you, you know, if you have that latch box that has a flip up and has a nice backdrop on the underside of the lid, obviously you're going to catch more eyes probably that way. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of times slide top boxes, uh, if they're natural wood, uh, they all you know pretty much look the same unless you've got them painted or you know something not going on there so yeah for the retailer i could clearly see that they'd probably want that that design i i i agree on that and um it's uh yeah i mean i kind of i'm in the same boat um i don't mind a slide top box at all don't get me wrong but uh i totally get it i think it is a better presentation in the, in the retail store for sure all right back to cigar bands the words, and I see these on a lot, the words handmade or hecho a mano on the band. I like it from a nostalgia standpoint. 
there are that was some- my that was my answer. I like I don't understand the purpose of it, but it, it's it's just I'm, I'm a traditional guy. Exactly. I like it from the nostalgia standpoint. Yeah, I, I do. Too. That's my answer on that. Yep. You know, but I, I don't get. Sometimes I don't get. I, I sometimes don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I understand that there's right. a new that in terms of is a total amante, completely handmade person. Right. But I think from Hechoe Mono, for me, I like it from the nostalgia standpoint, and I really like it to delineate or differentiate between high quality cigars and maybe mass production cigars. Okay. For me, it doesn't matter. I, I mean, I, I'm probably, you know, not the typical consumer, uh, you know, for, for those that are going in, uh, you know, maybe a new smoker or just trying to, you know, pick something that, you know, that might catch the eye or something like that. But for me, it, it doesn't really make much of a difference. Uh, I, I agree with you on that one, but, but yeah, but there's something nostalgic for me that I, I yeah. just say, cause I'm looking, I have a cigar here. I don't want to hold it up. It's, it's, I love the cigar in the pack. You know, it doesn't have Etio Amano on it and it's not yours Ian, by the way. <laughs> Yours does say it, so. Uh, but uh, I have another one sitting here, so uh, and I like the way you laid it out in here on the El, El Boracho, so that's nice. All right, I mentioned the warranty seal. Warranty seals, yay or nay? We're a big fan of warranty seals because they uh, they are nostalgic. They make the consumer feel like there's some sort of certificating authority, but there's really not. It's just us. Right. Uh, right. Uh, it's really an opportunity for us to kind of have a fun graphic design project and create something that looks official uh, that comes from our company. So from a marketing and branding perspective, we love warranty seals. Um, but uh, if they want to, you know, if there was a standard country of origin seal like they do with wine. That's um, where I was going with that. Yeah. yeah I could see that. They're yeah. just incredible. But I'm okay uh, if it's a factory one. If it's a factory one, it's the same. I'm okay with that. Yeah. But I hate cutting them because I always, I you know, I don't want to like, I hate cutting them. That's the one thing I hate. Yeah. <laughs> if I can avoid it, like, because I don't want to, I don't want to, because they do have an art to it, and I don't want to damage it sometimes. Uh, so they drive me crazy. But 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 I understand why they're on that too. Yeah. I've seen some smart companies, and I think maybe even Saka may be doing this. But some companies I've seen actually slip the box before they shrink wrap the box. Or uh, they'll slip the seal before they shrink wrap the box. So that way, when you unshrink it, it perfectly cuts. I've seen that, and I like the way that I'm, looks. I'm trying to think of what Saka too that did that. Oh, he may be right. I have seen that. Not a lot, but I have seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. I think the seal is cool. Um, it's definitely got you know some of that nostalgia to it. Um, it's a cool look. Uh, but yeah, it's got you know you also have that extra step of you get to break that seal on that box and know that that was, you know, straight from the factory to you, right? Like nobody's yeah. open that up, shuffle things around, go, pick go some for. stuff out of there that they wanted to put some other stuff back in there. So right, right. just that extra level of, you know, people like to open up a new like iPhone box and, you know, break that, the, the shrink wrap and, you know, get that slide and that little kind of pop that comes out of it and see all the presentation. So I think it's another one of those extra little things that you get to do. You get to flip that little, you know, the latch and the lid, cut the seal, and you still can't get it open. And you're like, fuck, I thought I cut it all, all the way through and you didn't get it. And you're like, yeah. So, and then you just find out that the box is over humidified and it's sealed shut and you got to yep. pry it open with the screwdriver and then you crack the, yeah. crack the front off of it. It's, it's a whole fun thing. Yep. Uh, good stuff. 
I agree. Like I said, I like them, but they frustrate me sometimes. <laughs> but uh, good points you guys make on that. I'm learning a lot here. Cedar Sleeves. Uh, I like them. We don't do them, but I like them. They're individually kind of costly, but I, I like them. I, I, I don't, you know, I've seen people take them off and split them up and use them as, you know, as a lighting mechanism for yep. cigar. Really want to uh, lay on the show. Uh, but uh, yeah, I got no, I, I got no problem with Cedar Sleeves. There's some cool presentation to it. Um, I don't really know what the origination for the reason for putting them on there. I don't know if it was help humidify, uh, add kind of that cedar kind of component to some of the flavor profile or anything like that. Um, but I will say that there's some people that get in trouble with cedar sleeves that, you know, maybe don't quite know why they're there that you're supposed to take them off before you light the cigar all that kind of stuff but it leads to some cool things you can slide it down a little bit light the cedar and then kind of pick some puffs and get it lit and then slide it all the way off or you could pull it off and if it's big enough you can use it to light the cigar uh if you want so there's lots of cool things you can do with it but you know you just you just i don't know you just be careful with it yes uh i just some blends, I don't know if it's psychosomatic where if it's on there a long time, sometimes I don't know, maybe it's power suggestion where I'm getting more cedar than maybe it really is. I can't tell sometimes on that. Uh, there's some cigars with, with cedar sleeves that are fantastic. Um, so my father, um, Fonseca is a great example of that. Uh, whatever it is, that thing in the cedar sleeve is like magic to it sometimes. So uh, I don't I love the My Father Fonseca. Yeah. In that tissue sleeve and that tissue sleeve, I hate that thing. <laughs> so difficult to get that tissue sleeve off. I've had some cigars with the tissue sleeve that's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Yeah. It's yeah. A nightmare. CLE does some nice tissue sleeves because it's like only goes up partial way. So you just you can pull grab that little twist at the end and it just slides right off so that's not too bad yeah i mean i was just complaining about the um the uh el rey de mundo mm. oh not the el rey de mundo um what's the one from ford's it's all in tissue yeah they already do them in el mundo yeah it's uh yeah it's it's all they cover the whole cigar in tissue and, you, and they put the band around the tissue sleeve yeah and then i just hate it because you know i like having the band on the cigar yeah, uh, and I can't see the cigar either. So, that, so I like what CLE's doing. That kind of was my point. All right, heading to the end here. Um, box of cigars. We'll, we'll go back to the latch top style of a box. The inside vista. When you open it up and you see that inside vista, should the design in the inside vista match the band on the cigar? Um, I would be hypocritical if I said yes. Do that, but uh, I kind of like the inside vista to be, you know, for our cigars. I like it to be like an elegant surprise when you're opening the box. Um, yeah, I'm kind of. In, I, I think it does look nice. It's great presentation, but I agree. I kind of like that another creative avenue with that. Yeah, you got a larger format. You know, with the with the band, you're really limited as to what you can put on the band. Mm. I like it when uh, the Vista is like a reveal and it's like you, you, you cut the warranty seal. You've kind of seen what it's about a little bit and it 
it's not so great or it's simpler on the outside and then you open it and it's just full color or full graphic that to me is like nostalgic i like that surprise I think that the inside Vista can like tell uh, more of the story of the cigar. Like it doesn't have to be what's on the band because it's kind of a bit repetitive, but it can add to, you know, the presentation, uh, tell, you know, give you more of the background of what's going on there. So I think you can, I think, you know, companies just could go crazy inside there and, you know, build it up. I think it's, that's kind of a good addition and yeah, uh, so. it adds a reason to maybe want the box than just getting, you know, singles of the cigars. Like there's just an addition to that, that you may want to pick up. I agree with you guys. I think we were all pretty much in sync on most of these. The last question we kind of already answered, it was should a retail exclusive or a shop, you know, should a retail exclusive or shop exclusive be denoted on the packaging? I think we kind of answered that earlier on. Like we all agreed it's kind of a good way to add, you know, put that on the packaging for sure, especially on the band. Yeah, that's, we, we, we made that mistake with our very first thing with small batch with the CM Free Rosado is that we didn't put more elements that it was a small batch thing on that cigar. Yep. That we kind of, as the whole point of doing such a thing is so that you can drive business to that retailer. And if they don't know from some indication on the cigar or the box, that that's an exclusive to that uh, store, then it kind of defeats a little bit of the point of that. So I I'm agree. A- and then, you know, if it ever goes regular production, I kind of like, I can identify what it is. Yeah. yeah. If you're just holding singles and stuff like that, if there's no identification on that, you're not, you don't, you may not remember that it's, there's something unique about it yeah. outside of just uh, multiple Vitolas in a line. Uh, I mean, if you have a box or something, you can always throw some painter's tape or masking tape on it and write something, you know, with a Sharpie or something so that you know yourself. But um, if definitely, if you have singles, um, it, you know, it, it may not have to be on the band. Uh, you know, as long maybe the UPC sticker uh, holding the cello together can say it so that you have some some way to identify it yeah. so that you know. Just yeah. so you know, I, I agree. I totally agree with that as well. All right. Those are our cigar packaging questions. Thanks, uh, Ian and Aaron, for participating in that. Um, so wrapping up the show, Aaron, anything else we want to mention before we kind of close it out? No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, so let me just mention uh, next week's show. Um we have actually two shows next week um, on Monday. Uh, Dave Burke and I have another episode of Jukebox. We're going to be going through the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's always a fun show, but it's going to be different this year because Dave actually likes some of the artists, <laughs> so, uh, including his beloved Dolly Parton. So I'm, I'm sure we're going to be talking a lot of Dolly Parton. But So next Thursday, uh, primetime episode 220, uh, big guest we have, Daniel Marshall, will be on the show. Uh, and he has got some really good giveaways, which I'll be posting on the website uh, that he's provided for that. Aaron, you probably aren't going to be here for that show, right? Right. But, yeah, I'll but, be traveling. Uh, you'll be traveling. Um, so Bear is going to be co-hosting with me next next Thursday on that. Nice. Um, yep. And then the week after, uh, I will be in um, the Dominican Republic. So mm-hmm. there will be no show that night uh, because I'll be doing something there, I guess, a pro cigar. Either I'll be sick, either I'll be, either I'll have COVID and I'll be stuck in my room or uh, I'll be doing something. So, um, so yeah, so we'll, so yeah, so, uh, so Aaron, you got a little break coming, well-deserved. So enjoy that as well. Um, Ian, thank you as always, man. We, we always love having you on the show. Uh, You're doing great work and it's, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. 
Yeah. Hey, thank you guys. I appreciate everything you do. Appreciate the invite. It's always great to talk to you and I uh, look forward to seeing you both at PCA this year. And yep. Uh, yep. You'll see. Yep. For sure. For sure. We'll be coming to your booth early. I can tell you that. <laughs> I know I will. <laughs> so uh, he's just going to ignore you. Don't worry about it. Coop. He's got uh, so, VIP retailers. He has to pay attention to. Well, yeah, I understood that. <laughs> Look, if, if Jay Davis is there first, Jay Davis is going to get. get <laughs> so, I can't. Uh, if my local guy's there, he's getting. No, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. All right. And of course, thanks to our audience as well. Um, and like I said, stay tuned to the Cigar Coop website. I'll be posting those uh, prizes that Daniel's donating, which is very good. Uh, but that's going to wrap up Primetime episode 219 into the annals of history for Thursday. February 10th, 2022. Now, uh, Friday, February 11th on the East Coast. We'll see everybody next week. Take care, everybody. See you guys. Yeah.